Welcome back to Bulletproof Mindset, Scotland's number one health, fitness and entertainment podcast. So in today's episode, we welcome our good friend, Jack Ritchie, and we had a fantastic conversation. Jack is the owner of More Life Clinic and is making moves in the sports therapy and physio space. You would have heard us talk about this in the past, that how there sometimes can be a bit of a bad reputation between PTs and physios. Do you need them? Are they important? And we get into this whole debate in today's episode. Not only that, there is a tremendous amount of wisdom and knowledge that is shared throughout this episode and I know if you're listening there is a good chance that you have dealt with some stiffness, tightness, maybe even an injury and we talk about how to rehab it, how to prehab it, stop it from happening in the first place and overall it is full of little nuggets of information that you can take away. Now I'm going to leave links below where you can find Jack on Instagram but also if you're looking to work with him he has a place out in Dumbartonshire and he also has access to a place just outside of Ibrooks. You can find Jack on Instagram at jackritchie underscore sports therapy and the link for that will also be below. Of course, before we get into today's episode, if you are finding us for the first time or if you haven't already, consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube even all three if you want to do. It doesn't only just feed our ego, but it actually helps the show grow. And we have had so much traction so far. So thank you to everyone who has taken the time to do that, but also given us your time to listen to this podcast. So that's enough chit chat. Let's get into today's episode. I'm not joking, it's like you're holding a dick almost like <laughs> that. That's how far away you have you. That's how mine was quiet the other day. Because oh. I was looking at where I was and the mic, I was away here and I was like talking. Right, 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 right. So right, I, must right. Have, I just need to play so a bit. So make sure it's in your face then. Aye, yeah. in yeah, your yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. Proper in your face. Uncomfort- right, genuinely. Uncomfortably in your face. Right, so welcome Jack. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, boys. So, start off with a good old Stephen Bartlett. <laughs> the talk, if you listen to his podcast, he, yeah, yeah. he does the same thing every time. We've only had a couple of guests on right enough, but I think to myself, I'm going to keep asking the same questions, like, oh, take me back, take me back to that, to your childhood. But for the audience listening then, so you're a sports therapist. Yes, sir. Um, so can I take us through that journey? What 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 made you go into that in the first place? What was the what was the reason? From the context of, like, obviously becoming a sports therapist, like, growing up, I was always so aware of everything. So, and health being one of them. Um, always involved in sports, things like that, always getting fucking injured and shit. So, like, <laughs> I had a lot of experience in and amongst, like, doctors and physios and stuff like that. And it, it was always kind of fascinating as to how these guys knew, like, how to fix your problems. Um, so just ki- kind of obviously going through school and stuff, being aware of that and, and starting to really value and appreciate health, like, inherently. It, it wasn't even anything that I chose to really think about. Always just on a daily basis, like, analysing, being aware of my health, appreciating it. Um I wanted to be a doctor, obviously, <laughs> but no, nah, like then I saw uni, it was like seven, eight years, I was like, fuck that, that's not, <laughs> I not what I'm trying to do, um, but I was obviously really interested in how the body worked, biology, all that shit, and then sports, so sports therapy, kind of made sense, worked well, um, I would say obviously coming out of school, I was quite mo- money orientated, like I knew I wanted to make good money, um, looked up the early rate of a sports therapist, I was like, mm, looks quite good, Um but honestly, like, since I got into sports therapy and really found a good passion and satisfaction from actually helping people mm. and understanding the value of this, like, this work in this the industry that I'm in now um, is what's allowed me to persist with it because, yeah. obviously, I, I feel like I need to be in some way passionate about what I'm doing. And, like, oh, genu- absolutely. It's yeah. my, it's my it, needs to, it needs to be there. Yeah. We speak about this all the time, like, as much as, like, we actually just done that on one of the how to become a successful PT is, like, a lot of people... 
go into it and go, oh, 35 quid an hour, yep. 40 quid an hour. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. We don't realise that money isn't the be all and end all. It's, it's what drives most people's kind of passion to work a job, a career. But when you find your passion and do what you love, like money is almost like a byproduct of being good at it at the end so of the day, isn't you it? You wake up in a different mindset as well. You're like, oh, I need to work 12 hours a day. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's not you the wake same. up for somebody else, you're like, oh, fuck off, man. Exactly. Right. So have you had any other jobs? Is it because since I met you, I met I met you like a year ago. Uh, we met at a property event. Yeah, yeah. And you were a sports therapist then, so we yeah. was it always just through uni and then. Literally, bro, and I didn't even go uni, man, because um, fuck uni, bro. That's a trap. Uh, so what I went, I just done a two year college course, and within that, I was speaking. I was gonna go to uni. I was gonna do all that shit, mm-hmm. and I spoke to the lecturers, and I, and I obviously told them that I want to run my own business and all that kind of stuff. And they said the hands on experience that you'll gain. Aye. Not going to uni Like I have boys that have came out Of a four year uni course And have not even touched a client yet Very common yeah. It's fucking crazy And they're obviously NHS based Working with old people And I work with a lot of old people But mm. I'm hands on And I'm really fixing Helping like Treat them as well Not just kind of Analysis Exercise based work Although that is a big part of it And probably half of the problem That we Half of the kind of solution To fix your problem mm. Like There needs to be a level of Manipulation within The, the kind of the process, I feel, if you're dealing with an injury that's lasted any longer than three to six months, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so I'm I'm fascinated with with the science and the the anatomy of the body. Like yeah. just in my own journey, I couldn't squat, right? I couldn't hold a bar on my back. I was the typical bench press guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bench every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday, and created this sort of imbalance in my posture. You'll see this a lot in the work that you do. Most people are working behind a desk. This forward upper cross syndrome, I think it's referred to as, or or this forward shoulder. So I started to learn about this word mobility. And in my mind, mobility was your granny and granny with a walking stick and mobility scooters. That's where my head went to. So it's almost, it was not a sexy topic. Still isn't as sexy a topic, but it's definitely making more waves than what we've seen in the personal training world. But what was what was like some of the was there like anything fundamental that you saw with your own journey? Like, do you say so? You had a few injuries and a few injuries. Oh yeah. So actually, like being able to look back and actually see like the problems that I, I dealt with, it all came from instability. So like joint instability, like all the trade. I was pro your football most of my life, all that kind of stuff, and none of what we worked on was any sort of conditioning for the work that we were doing. So like, that's what I work with. A lot of my clients um, around building joint stability because obviously your body has a kind of inherent kind of want to to choose the path of least resistance. So, for example, you go into a bench press, you're going to use the main movers. You're going to use your chest, triceps, shoulders, deep muscles that you don't activate. Exactly. So there's muscles that like what I call it is like obviously, and the terms used to describe it is primary and secondary muscles. The primary muscles are the main movers. The secondary muscles are usually the muscles that stabilize that movement. So for example, in a bench press, I actually have specific warm-ups for a bench press that has nothing to do with your chest. Um, There's muscles around your shoulder blade. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's mental. So like your scapulothoracic joint, which is like that shoulder blade and rib cage joint that people don't even know is a joint, because it's (laughs) not like, people think ball and socket joint, your shoulder. But it's a gliding joint that you can gain a lot of control of and help stabilise movements like a bench press. So, Mm. um, obviously, growing up, the instability, my ankles were always fucked, my knees were always (laughs) sore. Um, So, understanding that there's little secondary muscles that help stabilise the main movements, like a squat, even like running, for example. Um, So, looking back, that's probably one of the biggest things, like instability. 
and people that it's, it's it's obviously lack of knowledge and obviously you go for a school yeah. they don't teach you anything like this yep. and I, I feel like it's typical warm ups in school what was it like run back and forth you know I mean? a couple of star jumps and then right we're good to play basketball football whatever it is that's going it's through crazy. your sports is mental and obviously like with that you don't I wouldn't say it's like yeah I would say it's necessary obviously to, to warm up the secondary muscles but it's not like a it's not you're like you're going to definitely get injured from not doing these things, mm-hmm. but it's all about optimizing recovery. In yeah. my in my eyes, obviously, like I don't yeah. know why, if you have the opportunity to optimize something, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. So like obviously stabilizing um, movements through warming up those little stabilizer muscles efficiently before working out is it's optimal for recovery. And if you're trying to push the capacity of your performance, you are trying to push the capacity of your recovery as well. Like people, you see people in the gym five, six days a week, sometimes seven, and I ask them, they come in for treatment, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, so what do you do for recovery? Oh, sleep, mate. Protein powder. Yeah, protein powder. There's no mobility, nothing like that. And if you think about the A to B movements in a gym, you think about the movements that you're carrying out on a daily basis. It's not just A to B. Yeah. You need to incorporate full body compound movements. So a lot of the time, I actually just get my clients, like for one, like on a daily basis, just get into a deep squat position, get into those primal positions that we used to shit and piss in. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like the fucking preach it, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> preach it. We're in this kind of like right angled, like do you know what I mean? This position, and we wonder Flexors why we're fucked. It's crazy. So um, we think about all the little muscles that don't get exposed to that fully lengthened state, the fully shortened state. And if we start to do that on a daily basis, the aches and pains fucking they disappear. Yeah. Aye. It's Absolutely crazy. love where you're where you're going with this. This is this is one of the, the main passions behind us doing what we do. Mm-hmm. We we come from a, a coaching, a personal training perspective, yeah. but a lot of our training is is around these movements because the fundamental basic human movements of pressing out in front of you, pulling towards you, pressing above your head, squatting down, bending over. Yeah. We're losing that as a as a society the older and older we get. And I think we could you can come at it from two angles. Um but like you said there, like you don't realise that there's there's so much that can go into it. So yeah. how long you fizzled for? Hands on, obviously after college and stuff, five to six years I've been hands on working with clients. Awesome. Good half a decade. Yeah. Good. And it's crazy to see that obviously with initiative, <clears throat> I've really developed a lot of approaches in like my industry that I don't see a lot of therapists using. Even whether that's manipulation techniques on the area when we're treating or just even the, the kind of all-round approach to fixing a client. Mm-hmm. Like that is one of my pet peeves, bro. One of my pet peeves is therapists that know there's two sides to this, to the to the fixing the problem. It's not just treatment. It's not just exercises. It's both. Yeah. You need to. So I have a two-step process to fix my clients. Step one is manipulation through treatment. That's where we get in. We manipulate. We restore the state of the muscle so that when so that when we move on to step two, which is re-education through exercise. It's all about restoring the function of that muscle. And within that, obviously, at the end of this, my client comes out with so much more knowledge, so much more awareness and appreciation for the little muscles that they didn't even know existed. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's yeah. crazy. I told you a story about my brother going to a physio. Yeah, it, it yeah. really yeah. infuriated me. And I think I called you out, maybe, no, called you out in a bad way. It was about episode, when we came here, I've even been like episode 45 yeah. or 46, because I saw you starting to launch that any one of my clients that comes to see me, as much as we're going through um, deep tissue massage or whatever it is that you're doing to, to yep. help them uh, restore their muscle, you were giving them a programme of exercises to do on their own. Yep. And I think that was the first time, well, not the first time, but very few physios I see actually doing that, like true care and compassion yep. and empathy going, like, 
I don't want you just paying 35 quid, 40 quid, 50 quid every time you need to come see me. Yep. I want to fix your shit. And here's how we're going to fix your shit. It's not okay. the one session. It's all the stuff you do out with the gym. Yep. And we speak about this when it comes to training. It's not one workout. It's, it's going to get you... service. Yep. It's everything. It's, it's everything crazy. you do in your daily life. And understanding that is... is, is it's massive. So, what's your what's your bugbears in physiotherapy then for, that you see from other therapists? It's purely people like so many therapists. They know, as I said, they know they need to implement exercises to actually fix the problem, the cause of the problem, which is instability or lack of neuromuscular control. But they just they exploit the lack of knowledge that the client has, and that you're going to feel better after a treatment. Yeah, but like. If you don't re-educate or rebuild the area that keeps getting tight or keeps causing you pain or tension, then you're just going to keep going back on a monthly basis. And see that see that reoccurring treatment, that's what these therapists build their fucking living off of. Yeah. And I feel like the opposing view of that is creating a sense of loyalty with my clients and actually fixing their problem as quickly as possible and then allowing them to understand and appreciate the value of maintenance. Because that's another thing as well. So thinking about genuine maintenance... People are too busy in their daily life to, to really commit every single day to full mobility. Some people do get it perfectly. Like, I stretch every day because I practice what I preach. But a lot of people have kids. They've got busy life, uh, lives, high-responsibility jobs, all that kind of stuff. And if you neglect even a few days a week not doing mobility, or even if you don't do mobility, there needs to be some sort of kind of contrast when it comes to doing all this work and then the recovery and the rest to kind of counteract that that build up intention oh, so absolutely what i do is i fix clients like within three sessions doesn't matter if you've had a 10 20 year long injury i can usually within three sessions come to uh, a conclusion of where the problem ha has been get you in such a better state that you're not feeling any pain you're improving levels of tension and if you're consistent with the exercises i just get my clients to reoccur monthly mm -hmm. because it is a monthly maintenance thing and the reason i push that is because as i said people don't prioritize recovery near enough and if you're looking at like people think oh yeah like until this actual injury or this pain starts to cause yeah Easy, bro. that's fine it, yeah, I'll hold you it. Just grab it. <laughs> 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 it's, like, it's, like a it's like a DJ making <laughs> it. But you, you, this bit will adjust in that. That's fine. Well, e like, even when you think about like, I lost my train of thought. But even when you think about the monthly maintenance side of things, people just don't value doing things before they're injured. Like yeah. people just oh, deal absolutely. with it when they're injured. Do you know what I mean they so wait until they're actually causing pain or it's affecting their daily life before they take action? Right. Rehab. Mm -hmm. Well, you want to think about prehab. Yeah, you right. want to think about doing shit before it gets to that point, and that's about taking active accountability and and prioritizing your health. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. Fucking, you probably notice as mm -hmm. well. No one prioritizes their health ever. No. Yeah, we were, we were saying that's scary, mate. It's so scary. Like, isn't it? It is never too late, but it definitely can make your journey a whole lot a longer. Harder. Yeah, Aye. more expensive. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. De definitely. So I like uh, the monthly M MLT. I heard you talk about this yep. before. Uh, we'll get a wee bit controversial here in a wee sec, but Come on. I, I just heard, I heard, <laughs> I love it. heard you say that, but hearing your point as to why, yep. and just to kind of recap on that, so you're saying monthly maintenance is there for, or monthly MLT is there for clients, not because it's necessarily needed, but it's because as a general population, as a whole, we don't do the shit that we know we need to do on a daily basis as Hundreds. to why we kind of... We neglect our recovery, and that comes from, obviously there's a weird, like, you guys will see it for your clients, we all neglect our own self-care. Like, we'll be the first person to 
help help the, help the next person out. But like when it comes to us, we'll leave it to the last minute until we really need to deal with mm. it. Yeah. So like the monthly maintenance side of things is just all about one having the accountability to go and actually prioritize your health, and two just that external help towards clear intention and preventing injury. Yeah. Because as I said, unless you're on it with your daily mobility and you're doing all this good recovery, which a lot of people do. But for the people that have busy lives, high responsibility, high responsibility lives, and even myself, I stretch every day. But when I'm pushing the perfor- uh, capacity of my performance, when are you going to get on? When am I going to get the recovery in? So I need to go in and actually, it's basically almost like supercharged recovery. Like that hour of treatment can literally last you a month if you go to a good therapist. Mm-hmm. So like all these hours a day, or half an hour a day, etc., for every day for a month. You can come to me once a month for a 90-minute treatment, and I'll be able to run through your th- whole body and re- and clear all most more or less all the tension. Mm. Um, so it is a time saver at the end of the day as well. Like if you want, because time is money. That's the biggest thing as well. If you want to come to me once a month, you will basically allow yourself to prevent any injury, clear all the buildup, uh, and maintain that kind of level of tension and kind of pain-free movement. That's it. What do, what's your opinion on chiropractors? Yeah, man. See it like you mean it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no, so, so obviously, like, I understand that chiropractors, when it comes to, like, posture alignment, see when people actually have, like, fucking spad scoliosis, mm-hmm. if, if it's irreversible, that's different. But if you can literally go in and you're maybe hunched over and you can you can be adjusted in a way that helps realign your posture, your spinal posture, that's cool. But the people that are going there on a weekly or on a monthly, like, you need to understand why your neck needs cracked. It's not because... The little fucking ball, uh, um, kind of like spaces of air needs released. It's because the muscles around that spine are so fucking tight. Yeah. So, like creating that pressure relief through chiropractic adjustment doesn't solve the issue. That like is, the deep the, tissue mass. That's the missing thing. So obviously, I know a few therapists that do a lot of deep tissue and accompany that with chiropractor work, adjusting your neck. That's cool because it's a relieving pressure on top of really getting to the root of the problem which is the tension around that spine. But these guys that tell you, they come in, you go for your first consultation, and before they've even touched you, you're going to need 20 sessions. Do you know what I mean? You're going to need so 20 fucking weekly sessions. It's yeah, mental. This wasn't a chiropractor, but this was the physio that, that saw my brother. I was like, yeah, probably going to need to come at me about 15 times. He's like, but what is it? Why is it, my? He's, why is it he's got this deep pain that sits within his lower back? And yeah. he done like, I think he had done like three minutes of testing with him. And I'm like, to draw a conclusion with that, I get that you, physios, you as physios, you know a lot of what's going on with yeah. how the joints moving, how the muscles are contracting, etc. Sure. But to do just a couple of movements, go right, it's definitely that. Yeah. To me, that's that's quite. And how many brave. how many sessions did they commit? I, I think he wanted them to commit to like twelve, and he done the whole sales pitch of see if you do twelve, I'll do it for the price of nine, and ah, blah blah yeah. blah. Do you know what I mean? And that's I, fucking I just, like, that's when I, you lose my trust straight away 100%. when I hear that, and I don't know if my brother. It was the same, but me being in the industry and knowing yeah. what he's doing from a sales perspective, 100%. I was like, come on. Um, but I carry it. So the other day we were having a, a chat and we hear it, we hear this all the time. And it's like, oh, my shoulder's sore, my neck's sore, my arm's sore. I'm going to go to physio for it. And in a way, we kind of bash that sometimes because I think people think that, I think you've touched on it and you, I can see where you come from and I completely understand where you come from. People will do that because they're like, right, I need to get fixed, I need to get adjusted, I need yeah. to get this soreness sorted and then, then I can go back to my training. Yeah. What, do you think that there's a misconception around that or do you think that's pretty spot on for an individual to do? 
So it depends how deep and deep rooted the injury or the problem is, but most people use that as an excuse in it. So it's like it kind of does confuse the the topic of mm-hmm. it. But if you think about like let's throw an injury out there, like someone strained their lower back, you don't really want to push for deadlifts in that. Like you generally can go and restore the state of the muscle through manipulation through effective treatment, which will then like obviously allow you to get back into exercise, say pain three, pain free. But at the end of the day, like a lot of these people that are saying this, are using it as an excuse. Do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day also, when people think about going and, like, say, fixing their shit through physio, that will only happen if there's a level of re-education after the treatment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you think there needs to be a level... So how important is lifting weights and resistance training yeah. in comparison, uh, in uh, conjunction with physio? Well, crazy amounts, because, like, when you think... I've actually got a lot of clients that are runners, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got people that gym and run i've got people that just run and see the the correlation between injuries and niggles and joint issues in comparison to the people that gym versus not gymming the people that lift weights and run have no problems at all yeah yeah, see the the strength and the integrity even around the joint around the muscles around that resilience it's crazy it conditions your body for so much more than if you were just to do say a given sport like running or football, there needs to be a level of conditioning, and you get that from the gym. That is yeah. crazy, man. It's like the longevity within movement comes purely from resistance training. What do you think about a physio that doesn't go to the gym or doesn't lift weights? It's That's my thing. Like, it's I, hypocritical, I, I, isn't it? Ah, it's so hypocritical. So bad. You like, can't imagine. Like, I was just thinking when you said earlier, like you stretch every day. Imagine yeah. you walked in, oh, my neck's killing me. You'd be lying in the table going, well, I don't want you to fucking fix that's my shit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm walking around, hobbling around. It's so contra- contradictory because you want to think about the values that a business holds. Like, like obviously, More Life Clinic. It's called More Life Clinic because the values that I feel like that name holds is giving people more life yeah, in the yeah. sense of like... Saddened years of, it's, it's generally of independence. Without getting there. too deep and emotional, right? Like some of the people that I've treated and helped genuinely change the quality of their lives... And probably the trajectory of their lives when it comes to, like, later life. Honest to fuck, it's crazy. Like, the amount of people that come in with me. Like, I had a, I had an 88-year-old client, right? 88-year-old client. He came in he, using walking sticks and stuff. Within five sessions, I had him bodyweight squatting, walking up and down the stairs, no crutches or anything. Completely, completely changed the trajectory of his later life. I know he's 88, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe only a few more years left in the tank. But like, for the years they had... They're much better quality. Much better quality. But even even think about that, like, I think you would... I would imagine at that age when you realise your quality of life is so different to what it was 10 years prior to that. Yep. If you say in five sessions, we're going to get you back to that that state of how you felt in your 60s. I think that's in, that you can't put a price on that for at that age. That's it. As much as, as a lot of that could potentially have been prevented if there was strength training or resistance training and yeah. lead up to your 80s, that's where, my, that's where my message or both our messages are actually coming on. Like, don't leave it too late to lift weights because it will serve you longer. That's where the general population get everything so wrong. They're like, oh, I'm going to lift 80 even if I smoke, even if I don't go to the gym. I'm like, ah, you will lift 80, but... When you're 50, 60, 70, your, your life will be pretty it's poor. Quality. Slowly but surely just deteriorating, man. Aye, absolutely. Uh, you're, you're just existing at that point. You're not, you're not necessarily living. So what is a couple of stretches that you recommend to do every single day? Every without, day, yeah. Without getting the, the full plan away. Uh, what, what do you but think what is a good? couple of amazing stretches that everybody you think should be doing well, every day? We want to think about the positions that humans in general are naturally in. As right. us, us three are sitting in this fucking like, right-angled position. Aye. We want to think of it, the muscles that will just naturally stiffen up. So hip flexors, yep. hamstrings, 
even when we think about our glutes, right, we're in a slightly lengthened state, where that starts to actually lengthen and basically deactivate the glute as well. Right. So we want to think about activation as well. So see when you say stretches, when I give my clients my routines, it's not just mobility, it's like activation Movement as well. Movement resistance bands. Yeah, it's yeah. active mobility. So like a few stretches off the top of my head that everyone should be doing on a daily basis is first of all, this isn't mobility, but stability, which is even more important in, in some cases. Yep. The Miguel Big Free. The, yeah, the yeah. best, the, the three best deep core stability exercises you can do because it helps activate muscles that stabilize your spine from the front side and back. Mm-hmm. So you think about bending over and standing up. Simple fucking daily activity that everyone does. The lower back's going to get that because the path of least resistance, the muscle that you inherently know to use the most is what's going to fire up, so your lower back. What we can do to, to support that is activation through glutes. So just a simple banded glute bridge on a daily basis. Every morning I get down, pelvic tilt, fucking squeeze the arse, nice contraction, 10, 20 second hold, couple sets of that in the morning. It really does improve the neuromuscular control, that mind-muscle connection, to stabilise. Same with the Miguel Big 3. Three simple exercises, three simple positions. It it literally takes you five to ten minutes to do uh, a few simple things. How crazy is it? Uh, Because we see it for the people that we we train, but I imagine you'll see it as well, like how much people don't have any control over the pelvic tilt to be able to rotate that and to, to be able to brace and stabilise their core. Yep. To me, that's it's crazy. When, you, when you're saying something like, right, tense your core, oh, I don't know how to. Uh, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. have to kind of work on that. But so. then when you say push for a shit, they know what, they know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So like, it's oh, just I say I'm going to punch you in the stomach. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one, push for a shit. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, everyone starts their day with shit, innit, man? So <laughs> they know what to do. But like, Agile, like going back to the stretches, like see when we think about the muscles that just don't get access to end range, like your glutes and stuff like that. So Aye. pigeon pulls, simple, simple exercises like that are gonna are what's gonna decrease the stiffness build up around your hips. Yep. And naturally, obviously, like when we think about people that live on a daily basis, it really is just kind of improving all levels of mobility. Yeah. But in terms of the ones that build up on a daily, it's I, I predominantly see it hips, obviously upper back. A lot of people get rounded shoulders. Um, it's weird, actually. So a lot of people think rounded shoulders come from a tight chest. Uh, but, and it, and lats, it does. It? Lats, there we go. So the attachment See, point... Yeah, stuff. There you go, you, stuff. Did you, you, you went to a physio and they talked you that day? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm honestly, I'm so fascinated with physio and I've messaged you a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I just... I'm at this stage now in my life where I'm not missed the boat. Maybe I will go one day, but to learn and to educate around, to, yeah, to yeah. go to actual physical learning, to be a physio, that's probably out with where I'm at in life now with business and that. I'd rather work, have somebody work in the place and learn from them. For sure, for, for sure. Because it's, it's, it's experience and wisdom, as you said, more hands-on 100%. stuff and seeing stuff live. So, um, sorry, uh, you were saying shoulder. So uh, a lot of people think it's your chest. Then. Yeah, and it obviously, like, that is something that you want to target. But when we think of the lats and the attachment point of the lats and what it does, it internally rotates and extends the arm. Right. So when we think about that getting tight, it's going to start to internally rotate mm-hmm. and pull back the way. So it causes that rounded shoulder. So a stretch that you would look to do on a daily basis is just get those arms overhead. Because oh, yeah. people think about every client that comes into me, oh, sore shoulder this. Every It's a very co- a common denominator is not being able to overhead press or do any sort of overhead work. And it's because you don't, there's no awareness in that movement, in no. that position. I say, I say to my clients, and it's always like a big eye-opening experience when they have the ability to overhead press. But I'm like, think of your daily life. The only two, thing, the only two things that you will reach above your head is putting a glass in the up cupboard yep. or putting your bag in the overhead luggage. 
And you, even then, that's still in front of you. I know. And you're people go on holiday off, once a year. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're not getting any of the that. The same way, like pulling yourself, like like pulling your triceps down and doing a lap pull down, for example. Yeah, I yeah. think like getting in and out of the pool, like that's really the only exposure you get to it's that. Fucking mad. And I think that's when you start realizing the power of lifting weights and and having some sort of resilience in around these movements. Like 100. if you can't create that in your daily life, you're sitting at a desk for eight hours. So the gym has to be mandatory, not from a point of looking aesthetically good. No. But for fundamental movements, which in by which in return will make you look like a badass as well, because you're not walking about dead stuff. If you eat properly, obviously. Ah, well, yeah, that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that's a big nutrition part as well. Uh, there's yeah. a lot that goes into it, but um, so, so what, one exercise quickly, just to for everyone that goes to the gym or even doesn't go to the gym, that could get access to to hang from a bar to get that lengthened state through lats to help open up the chest a little bit because a lot of the overhead mobility restriction does come from lats. We could talk all day about the other muscles that do. See if you even just get into a pull-up. Do, do five pull-ups, right? Five pull-ups. A lot of people can do five. Maybe some can't. If you can't do pull-ups, go into an assisted lat pull-down machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you want to think about is just slow eccentrics. Five, six-second eccentrics. Really lengthening that lo- uh, lat under load, right. which is going to allow you to then actively take that that arm overhead without any restriction from the lats and because of how big that muscle is it is a very big factor in restriction tight, yeah. and overhead mobility is fucking it's crazy so, so so much of what I got and it's funny you say you should be able to do at least five pull-ups I'm thinking majority of my clients you can't even the assisted pull-ups like putting the yeah yeah uh, the, the machine and that but so so much that I want to get into when it comes to treatment and all this so first one I wanted to talk about was foam rolling yeah, yeah. This, this gets bashed, but then uh, there's almost like two aggressive sides. It's yeah, like yeah. one completely pointless, or the one, oh, you must do some sort of fucking tissue relief before yeah. you get into your workouts. Give us a give us a wee bit of the, the value behind it, or if you see value, yeah, yeah. and where you would apply it in your programmes. For foam rolling as well, you want to make sure that you're not trying to do any level of deep tissue manip- like massage. Like It's all about myofascial release, which what's people the, don't... What's the difference? Like how, to, how heavy you lean on it? Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, it's how heavy it feels. So, like, obviously, most people have been for a massage, but if you haven't, you want to feel little to no restriction when you're rolling up and down. Right. And what it's all about is, like, you've got this big net of fascia, fatty tissue, from the tip of your toes all the way to the top of your head. It's like a big jumpsuit of fat, right. fatty tissue. And when you do foam rolling, say, on the hamstrings, wherever you're doing it, you can create a sense of release in that fatty tissue and just slightly separate the layer of tissue between the fat and the muscle. And what that does is it allows for a little bit more restriction-free movement when it comes to benching, and it allows you to feel just a little bit freer. So I would only ever include that at the start of a workout just to maybe free up the, the kind of fascia, create a myofascial release on the top of the, the area that you're working on. So it gives you a little bit of extra flexibility. Well, yeah, and then on top of that, any stretch. level of pressure is going to create a good amount of blood flow. So that blood flow, obviously bringing oxygen, nutrients, when there's more blood flow, there's more elasticity in the tissue as well, so you can allow yourself to, yeah, feel a little bit freer. Mm. But I would never look to do any level of deep tissue, and what I mean by that is, like, how, how, how heavy you lean on it. But if you just think about feeling it going into your muscle, you feel, like, you know, when you press in your muscle, you feel that, versus, like, fucking scratching yourself. Mm. You're not going to feel a level of, like, kind of pressure more than just skin, like, yeah. on top, so... I wouldn't implement that if you are going to. I don't really, to be honest. But 
I would I would implement foam rolling just at the start of a workout just to create that myofascial release. It helps promote blood flow and just mobilize the, the tissues that you're working on a little bit more. And especially if people are sitting down all day, it's a good little warm-up to actually promote blood flow into that area. Create a little bit of elasticity so that you're not as stiff as you were before you foam rolled. Yeah. So it just does help if you're going straight from work or even if you're someone that doesn't stretch a lot. Um, I was going to say, would you, the deep tissue one, would yep. you apply that at all if you're not going to the gym or come not to doing me. anything? Nah, just come, yeah, do you think like you're going Jack, right? Just, just going yeah, to come physio. to me, bro. Morley Clinic, Caldy, uh, yeah, nah, fucking. <laughs> no, shake yourself if you want, go. No. Who's we'll no, show you an intro? Who's show you an intro? Morley Clinic, uh, Morley Treatments. But yeah, no, nah, I feel like the deep tissue side of things, like people, I feel like there's a level of awareness you need to have without injuring yourself if you oh my, oh my hamstrings tight and you that's see them what I'm saying. you see the bodybuilders and, and they're, they're like I'll buy this 22 pounds yeah. this is the speech any physio and to be fair the massage guns I would actually opt for over the foam roller because mm. it's more controlled people that try especially if you're maybe a little bit more overweight you're trying to balance yourself on yeah. this fucking foam roller I've used that so you're actually roller. putting yourself so into something yeah, yeah, I, I would sure. do these like mobility days which was a lot of what you were saying um a wee bit of static stretching with a lot of dynamic movements. Using, I've got a mobility stick out there, kind of getting into these weird and wonderful positions. But at the end of it, um, in the programme that I was following, there was foam rolling. Yeah. And I'd lie on my back and I'd lift my hands up above my head and roll it up and down my back. Yeah. I would bruise from it. And I'm like, it's can't be that good if I'm fucking bruising, man. Yeah. Surely not. But then you're very limited to what you can do because it's my body weight that's For on sure. it. Um, but the, I, I never felt, I was like, oof. That's when I realised how tight my back was and 100%. started leading me down the, the rabbit hole of of doing more movements before just going straight into fucking four sets of deadlifts and all that That's sort what of I'm stuff. saying. And then see the other thing as well with like the bruising side of it, that leads me on to thinking about the, the therapists that don't really kind of prepare the muscle for manipulation. Because as I said, there's layers of fat, layers of skin above the muscle. A lot of the therapists you go to, they will just cause you a lot of pain unnecessarily. Um, that's the same kind of thing with foam rolling. It's almost like we crave it though, isn't it? It's like the, the client almost looks for well, it. It's almost the doms, you know what I mean? It's 100. like, oh, I'll go to the, the physio and be sore. That's yeah. what we, it's probably, I would imagine this is similar to, we hate when clients, uh, when PTs make their clients do burpees. Yeah. And it's probably because they want them to sweat. Right. Because that's what the client wants, not necessarily what's good for them, what's valuable. Yeah, so yeah, it sounds yeah. very similar. 100%. In the sense of that. So prepping the body. Prepping the body, it's just all about like, understanding what you're trying to get out of it. So, when I look at a client and there's, say, tension in the lower back, I understand that the tension I'm trying to release isn't in the fat, it's in the muscle. Mm. So, like, I use scraping techniques and different tools and stuff to, to really prepare, to break up the tissue before we get into that deeper work. So it leads on to, like, the foam roller. You're not preparing, you're just going straight in deep. <laughs> That's why deep tissue with a foam roller is not optimal, and it's actually probably... Sub suboptimal. Yeah, suboptimal, probably fuck, injures you, mate. You yeah. fucking bruised for I a little bit. <laughs> I did that. I was like, look at my back. That's, yeah, that's, that's not. Crazy. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is my client the other week. There. She came to me. She was like, she hurt herself in jiu-jitsu, right? And she was like, I'm going to go for a sports massage, fix myself. Yeah. I'm like, so I was like, why? Because I wasn't really, I wasn't too sure about it, but I'm like, get a few days, see how you feel. And yep. she was like, feeling better, but I'm still going to go for a sports massage. How was she hurt? Uh, right, so she hurt her trap there. Trap. Aye, uh, so up here, kind of. So trap. When, when she woke up, she couldn't really move her neck. Yeah. Right, so it was really tight. And I was like, I don't know what to do, but like, I have no idea. Yeah, for sure. So I was, she's like, I'm going for a sports massage, and I was like, I don't really know if that's the right idea either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would you say to that? So bro, Be like, honest. 100%. Yeah, no, 100%. Well, you think about, obviously, jiu-jitsu. It's a pretty, like, grip-strength-dominant sport. So if you're pulling and pushing, your traps are, especially see if it was, like, 
kind of mid lower trap. It's one of the most underactivated muscles in your back, especially That's why when I love you're slouched, man. Bro, yeah, and when you're slouched all the time like this, like they start to just lengthen and deactivate. Yeah. Um. So when you go into like a sport like that and you're really activating, shorting them, it's going to strain because it's inherently fucking weak. Yep. But to answer your question of like, should she have went to a sports therapist to fix it? The answer is probably if you go to a good one, yes, because there's a level of strain that's probably created damage in those fibres. And without manipulating the, the damaged fibres or the little cluster of damaged fibres that she's created through the strain, then it probably won't go back to that original state. So, like, I would, sh- did you go that like a day after? So, no, it was maybe about four or five days after, but they said it was more to do with her mid-back on the other side. Right, so... Oh, the, the physio did? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Nah, no, James. <laughs> no, no, me, yeah, I fucking the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, like, how did you... <laughs> no, no, me, yeah, I fucking the idea. But yeah, no, no, no. So, yeah, obviously the root of the problem, regardless of how that, uh, or the pain she was feeling on her trap is a different story. But yeah, I would say if you're, if you're, if you've got a strain and you feel like it's restricted movement, you definitely could see a benefit from going to a, th- a physio or a therapist that's going to help manipulate and restore right. the state. But ideally... Um, unless it's something that persists with the pain, it's probably something that's just going to heal. Yeah. And uh, you want to maybe just do a bit of like lightly lengthened stretching, like as as it heals. Do you know what I mean? So I wouldn't say it's a necessity, but uh, I would say optimal to to prevent further kind of injury. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Hundred percent, because you can't outstretch an injury sometimes. And that's one thing I learned from a guy. Can't remember his name, but you, he literally you can or you can. So can't can't. So like people, that's where the thing with physios. They'll just give you exercise-based work. But sometimes you genuinely need a level of manipulation to restore the state of that muscle. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to go into because a lot that of people, the, yeah. the the common things that people will say, I've tweaked this, yeah. I've pulled this, I've tore this, or I've got some sort of nerve damage. Can you, you trap nerve. I try trap nerve. That's <laughs> a fucking other common one. <laughs> I hear this, you hear this fuck. fucking shit all the time. Like, how do you know this? <laughs> I know, I know. How right, do you so know you've got a trap They nerve. are four of the common ones. Can you go into, like, what is the difference between each one of them? So let's talk about trap nerves for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does that occur? Like, how does that even come about? Or well, is it just well, bullshit? When people say, <laughs> yeah, when people say trap nerve... It's fucking, it doesn't make any sense to what they're referring to. They, they see a muscle strain, say, on their neck, and they look to the right, and they can't because it's sore. And they think that's a trapped nerve. No, that's a strain <laughs> in your muscle. So, like, a trapped nerve, in my eyes, is called nerve fixation. So that's when there's enough pressure on the line of the nerve through the tissue above the nerve that starts to cause, like, nervy pains, whether that's down into your hand. It's never usually localised. Like, see if you've got... Pain coming from your right, upper trap. Right, radiates down yeah, you're going to feel it coming into your hand, your maybe pinky side if it's ulnar nerve, thumb side if it's radial nerve. But the trap nerve concept that everyone seems to un- think they know uh, is fucking re- stupid. So but how, how does it occur? Like why? Is so it nerve just fixation can just come from pressure on the nerve through tension in the tissue. So that can come from sitting. Like, see if you're sitting like this all day, like that all day, it can start to put pressure on the line of the nerve. Which, but as I said, you won't probably feel it localised in the area that's causing that. Right. You'll feel it radiate all the way down. So unless there's actually radiating pain all the way down into the, the ends of the nerve, it's probably not a trapped nerve. It's most likely, most definitely not a trapped nerve. It's a muscle strain. Um, but nerve fixation can literally just come from lack of mobility, see lack of blood flow. See the people that sit in that same position all day and they don't gym. Do you know what I mean? You, you, we have office job people that come in, you have clients that are office job based and they come in and they try to kind of combat that stiffness build up for gymming. Mm-hmm. But the people that, that, that suffer from trapped nerves uh, or nerve fixation is usually from overuse, whether that's like on an office job or you've got a very manual movements. job, repetitive yeah, yeah. movements. 
Uh, and that actually leads me on to make a point about not staying in the same position for too long because that is the biggest problem as well. How often would you break it? How often? I would say if you've got an eight-hour day at the office, whether you're working from home or in the office, you should be, well, on a 10-minutely basis, you should be adjusting and making sure that you're not in that same position. Ideally, if you've got a standing desk or you can change position every half an hour to an hour, get up. And even if you can't, even if you're just stuck at a desk all day, stand up, move around, expose those joints to end range. So there's a, there's a, there's a simple little kind of exercise that you can apply to all your joints and it's called it's short cars controlled articulating rotations and that's all about just taking those joints to end range so whether that's your shoulder your scapula you can basically just say stand up on up simply moving it simply moving it just getting those muscles into a lengthened state so that you can gain awareness and not just that but expose them to mobility as frequently as you're exposing it to that stagnant movement that just staying still so, and that is one of the biggest problems uh, that, that I feel like everyone faces today, yeah. especially in that office environment. They just stay in that same position. See, the funny thing is, imagine you're sitting in office, right? Yeah. And you're like, obviously 10 minutes kick up and you go and get into a squat and the rest of the office is like, ah, Mate, what I'm the fuck no, is no, that no, guy no, doing? No, I used we to live in a world, but, but we live I in a world, right? Where everybody's like, ah, what the fuck's that guy doing? He's the one that's actually helped me still. 100%. The amount of questions I used to get. So I used to take a resistance band to work yeah. and I would, I was like, fuck it. That's what I'm see, saying. When I, got to, I don't know if I wouldn't have done this if I was on the phones, but see, because I was the manager of the team, I'm like, yeah, yeah. do what the fuck I want. So I would do like up and over resistance band and I do like... I learned the concept of trigger sessions, yep. which was a, a 10 minute session of repetitive movements, 20 reps in, lifting my arms up, above head, all that sort of yep. stuff. So very much like you said. And honestly, I, I, I associate a lot of my muscle growth because of that, because I think there was a, a fresher blood flow and stimulus. And Yeah, and you're connecting that. to those muscles yeah. so frequently. And see, the thing is as well, um, I won't say too much, this is in the pipeline, but I'm obviously looking to deliver a package to corporate companies and workers in the workplace to bring in more awareness and more appreciation around that, mm-hmm. like resistance bands, just mobility, being aware of it. Because the biggest thing is awareness. Mm-hmm. Like most people are not aware of how clue. important it is. They don't have a fucking clue. So when they, as you say, the average guy that's sitting doing a fucking deep squat position in the office is a freak. But <laughs> everyone on an hourly basis should be trying to expose your joints to these end ranges. Um, and with that, it's just something that, Obviously, when you think about barefoot walking, you've mm-hmm. got the Vivo barefoots. Come on, I need to get a pair. I'm very, I'm a fucking hypocrite. Actually, I was gonna, wear, I was gonna wear my Yeezy slides in here just so I could get my toes out in that, right. uh, but I didn't think it was attire appropriate. Yeah, and my feet fucking stink. Yeah, so, no, you're, like, you're right. We need to, we need to normalise that. I talk, we talk about one of the most important phases that everyone skips, whether it's physio, it sounds yep. like it's the same, or it's looking after your health. It's awareness and knowing where you come from. Because if you don't know that, you don't know what's going to work for you. Yep. And I think a lot of people just jump straight into the diet, jump straight into the programme, jump straight into the, the fucking deep tissue fucking yeah, work yeah, to, yeah. to relieve their pain. Yep. Right, so we got radi- uh, sorry, we got trapped nerves. So muscle strain then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Muscle strain, how, how does that come about? How does that happen? Muscle strain usually comes from compensation, isn't it? Because, like, when you think of your body as a team of muscles, like, people try to, like... Obviously, that's the only real problem with bodybuilding movements. It's all A to B. There's no really kind of incorporated compound movements other than squat, bench, and deadlift. Even still, it's A them. to B. If they, <laughs> they fucking do the them. They love the machines Exactly. <laughs> and that's the one thing I do actually advocate... CrossFit type work is is fucking you may go but like the the full body kind of dynamic compound movements is what is going to allow your yeah. your muscles to work as a team 
And that's the biggest problem. Uh, it's all very disconnected. So when we think of muscle strains, we need to make sure that all the muscles around all the joints are doing their job sufficiently and efficiently. And if that isn't the case, compensation, muscle strain, certain bigger muscles are going to take over for the smaller muscles, and that's where usually muscle strain happens. Yeah. Weakness usually is obviously the, the predecessor to a muscle strain because when you think of muscle strain it usually comes from it being overused in a sense mm -hmm. so, so what's like, what is that i'm geeking out here but what actually happens with the strain is this a, is it a tear is it a micro a tear mi yeah it's, it's many very, little very tears yeah, yeah, yeah so not to the extent of the damage that we do to muscles for example no. is it a bit is it but larger it's enough to create enough damage to then start to send for your for your brain to start to receive pain right. signals from that area right and if that is the case then there's a sufficient level of damage that you need to address or that little strain then becomes over time, a chronic, deeper injury that for which you go to max out on bench, and that's where the fucking pec tear comes in. Right. Because you've you've allowed that little, tiny, acute fucking injury to Keep turn into such a deeper-rooted thing. Because the strain, obviously, as well, as I said about not being able to outstretch an injury, I feel like a muscle strain as well, unless you can... Yeah, I, I would say, optimally, you would want to always see a physio after a strain, because... You will never know it. It could be years down the line. Honest to God, it's kind of weird like that. Like that strain can go away. There's no pain anymore because it's healed. But the it's formation, exactly, the formation that those t fibers have healed in is incorrect. Do you know what I mean? It's like tying a little knot in an elastic band. And until you untie it, obviously we can't untie knots, so I'd have to cut you open and fucking untie <laughs> the knot. But like, until you break up that and allow the, the fibers to heal in, in that aligned state, there is a level of injury risk that is that is heightened from that 100%. So what do, somebody gets a strain, what's the, I'll say going to a physio, what is some of the things that you would you can do to recover from that then? Yeah, yeah, I would say, because obviously people probably strain themselves on a, on a weekly without yeah. even really knowing it. And obviously because the pain's away, the problem's away. That's exactly it. And that's the thing, it takes for a very traumatic experience Aye. of your health whether that's losing someone or just going through a bad injury to start to understand and appreciate the importance of maintenance and recovery. Um, but the things you can do for a muscle strain, I would say, is light stretching, um, pain-free, I'd say, obviously. But there's a level of discomfort I feel like people need to experience when they're to trying to, to... Yeah, when they're trying to experience that increased level of mobility. Like, your, your hamstrings are tight as fuck, you can't touch your toes. There needs to be a level of discomfort to try and bridge that gap between being stiff as fuck and getting more mobile, you need to endure a little bit of discomfort, but there is a definite difference between discomfort and pain. Oh, yeah, so you yeah, need absolutely. to differentiate between the two. And a lot of people don't realise the discomfort. They'll be doing an exercise, like, oh, that's sore. No, that's just you. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable. You're just trying hard, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. And I get that with every client I treat. And I'm like, oh, so what, what would you say on, uh, what would you, like, how does that feel? Oh, it's really sore. I'm like, would you say more painful or discomfort? And they're like, ah, oh, no, uncomfortable, discomfort. Do you know what I mean? Because people know what pain is. Uh, they know, they know. It's, yeah, exactly, it's but like, it's hard to differentiate pansies. the two. Yeah, they're <laughs> when fucking... It, when it comes to it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But when, with a muscle strain, what I would advise doing is, one, obviously trying to think about preventing that from happening. That was going to be my next question. So getting into the prevention side of things. Yeah, yeah. What, so say it is, well, it depends on where the strain's happened, I would imagine. For but sure. Is it all to do with the warm-up and what you're doing going into that? Yeah, and it could be obviously from inherent weakness as well that you've maybe over overdeveloped some muscles and underdeveloped others. Yeah. For example, people always get these little strains in their mid-trap or like around their shoulder blade area because when they're benching, their chest and shoulders and triceps are strong Stuff enough. Are strong. The little stabilizers have not been primed 
are built to withstand that pressure or that load. So preventative measures is all about creating a level of stability at your joints, yeah. targeting the, the little muscles, the ones that people don't even know exist. It's crazy. Like, there's a muscle that I call the mouse muscle. Uh, I'm copywriting that. I, I fucking <laughs> called that. I don't, I've not heard anyone say it. But basically, there's a muscle called infraspinatus. It sits on your shoulder blade. It internally, externally rotates the shoulder. Mm. And if you're on a mouse all day, that's a muscle that's going to get fucked. Aye, aye, but when you go into like a, a bench press environment or any sort of pushing, that's one of the biggest stabilizer muscles in that movement. For which, if it's tight, it's been overused. There's no level of sufficient contraction or stability coming from that, which then causes compensation into pecs, shoulders, triceps, all that shit. So preventative measures is all about building the secondary stabilizer muscles that people don't even know exist. And to be fair, unless you're like, you've been through a background of like medicine or you've done any sort of anatomy research, you're not really going to know. That's where that's why I have a job. Yeah. You know I mean, that's why people come to me. It's not just about preventing injury, but it's about gaining like a knowledge base and understanding around the subject, isn't it? So yeah, uh, it's good that you're taking ownership of that as well to educate, hundred percent, as opposed to just right, boom, done. Exactly, that's why I'm doing. Because it's I'm almost doing. like I feel like the difference between manipulation and help is your intention. So like my intentions are so pure to the point for where like I, I definitely get it from my mum. She's a very sympathetic, empathetic person, too empathetic. To the point where she starts to take shit away from herself in a way. Yeah. So I obviously I've learned from her. I know where to draw the line, but I still have a lot of empathy and sympathy towards like the people that are ill knowledge, and I feel in some way responsible to educate them and and give them a better all rounded approach to recovery because that's the loyalty that I then gain to have the maintenance in my clients. It's like a lot of therapists don't try to connect with their clients. Yeah. But I feel like bridging the gap between business and personal, especially in my industry, especially in your guys' is absolutely is so effective. And it, it gives them such a sense of like well-being and comfort and support that they wouldn't maybe usually have or even like that. I feel like that bridges the gap between them seeing it as just a service and becoming a part of their lifestyle. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So. Absolutely. No, I like that. I like that. So you've got tears, you've got trap nails, anything else that causes pain or why someone come to you apart from like slip discs and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah yeah. apart from that uh, there's a lot of imbalance and what a lot of people they know but they don't understand or identify is that everyone has a dominant side like you're right-handed i presume you're right-handed you should yeah so like when you think about going into a gym we're going into a very symmetrical environment but we're not symmetrical we've got one arm that we've used our whole fucking life brushing our teeth cooking Whatever else you want to get up to in your spare time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, oh, so, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, when we think about that, imbalance is a big reason for injury, especially, like, it's, it's not, there's no surprise people come in with one injured shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, you go into a gym and more, more than likely you're going to have a, muscle, a, a side that's a little bit stronger, a little bit more connected, slightly better stability, and the biomechanics within that that causes the imbalance to grow. Like you see a lot of people, they've got one pec slightly bigger, maybe one shoulder slightly more rounded. Like I will do. A big part of like the clients that I see is based around imbalance as well. Yeah. And that's something I can obviously really help with and identify the imbalance, what muscles aren't working correctly on one side and create that more all-rounded approach. Like There's a post on my Instagram, Jack Ritchie underscore sports therapy, uh, that like you see like after one, one session, had a guy who was a roofer and he always carries shit on his right oh, shoulder. I've seen that. The shoulder he dropped to the yeah, left. Yeah. It was full body. And after one session, all the muscles, the fascia, the fatty tissue, being kind of like mobilized and kind of reset, you see his, his body sitting more square. 
Um, and that's imbalance for exposure. And that's the other thing as well. Like, you only know what you know. And yeah. your body only knows what it's exposed to. So if you're only exposing it to imbalance, imbalanced movements and kind of incorrect, kind of uneven biomechanics, that's all it's going to really know. So, yeah. like, really kind of taking it back to the, the root of the cause. Maybe that's for your job or just through unawareness of, like, having that imbalance going into the gym initially. A few years in the gym, you build that imbalance even more. There's always a way to reverse it. It's just about understanding and identifying where the imbalances lie and kind of working it like yeah. almost like from the start and Onwards. going forward with it. That's why I love unilateral training. I put that in everybody. Literally. Every single client I have has goes through a phase where strategically I put in these exercises because mm. they're great exercises like walking lunges that expose stability issues and all this sort of stuff. But yeah. um, it's more from a place of, especially uh, every, every person I get and they press above head and this is as high as they can go. Like you said, they very rarely can bring their arms above yeah. their head. So getting them to hold two dumbbells, or even one dumbbell to start with, and press over and just keep their head above their head, yeah. uh, keep their hand above their head. Like it's crazy that that simple movement and mechanics, but I know the the, the reward they're going to get if they learn that skill, the later they get into the, into the health and fitness journey. 100%. And see the thing is as well with overhead mobility, just to touch on, a lot of people obviously feel like it's just that shoulder joint, but that end range mobility for overhead actually sometimes also comes from that thoracic extension. So right down the middle of the back. Yeah, that actual like kind of opening up of the chest, the spine actually, thoracic spine, being able to extend. That's where obviously a lot of people in this office job, they lack Ties. that because it's just slouching. And even you might not even see that, but it's about the exposure and the shortening of those muscles. Mm -hmm. And what sits there, your erectors, that mid-lower trap that I'm talking about. Yep. So there's specific work that I'm going to be bringing out. I'm actually bringing an app out soon just for my clients because... There's a level of convenience I feel like an app brings and yeah, accountability. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So we were speaking about the app. So let's kind of come away from um, the actual therapy side of things, yep. business side of things then. So did you go ahead with launching your own app or are you going to oh, utilise yeah, it? Oh, yeah, still building it. I feel like I, I'm going to be very wary of what I want to include in the app because I want to provide as much value as possible. Yeah. So I'm going to take my time to build the exercise banks, right, make sure structure the routines because... That's the other thing as well. I'm trying to think from uh, kind of an approach of like being being able to give someone an app that encompasses everything they need around recovery, whether that's the booking link to book in or all the mobility routines that people need and can choose from. Because like it's all well and good saying a full bo body mobility routine, but some people might just want stack away a shoulder routine. On exactly. Top of it so people might one, just yeah. want my hips are tight today. I'll stretch out my hips because that's another thing. People try to cram everything into the one day. Yeah, I'm and That's where that. you burn yourself out and you're like, right, well, fucking, I can't be arsed doing it the next day because it's like a 30-minute routine. Yeah. Even if you're doing like, this is another thing as well, even if you're just doing like mobility three to five times a week on each muscle group, you don't need to do full body every single day. Like you don't. Obviously, we live every single day. We're probably sitting in that office chair or doing the repetitive movements every day. But even exposing your body to that three to five day a week frequency of mobility will gain 10 times more awareness than what you would if you're trying to do all in one day. Fuck it for the f rest of the week. Monday again, fuck it. The so, like, I'm going to obviously look within the app to create little routines that can basically kind of segment areas in your body that you want to just focus on that day. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And within that, I feel like accountability for me, like, growing up, like, business, like, from the start of this year and growing the business to what I have now, a big part of my awareness is... Uh, around accountability has, has been crazy because if I don't have something set in place, whether it's a time constraint 
or a purpose for getting things done. The accountability, if it's not there, I don't get it done. Yeah. So for the app as well, it's not just mobility. I'm going to look to hold people accountable, say push reminders to drink water. You, I mean, things like that. Have you came across the pre-rehab guys? Pre-rehab guys? Yeah, yeah, black yeah. Black guys, like black and red. Hundred, yeah. They've got their own app and exercise library, but yeah, yeah. Their, stuff's, their stuff looks really, really good. good. So, yeah. But you're right, There's we need more of that in this space. So take us back. So when you start, when you became a physio, did you go straight into like another client? How did you get work? What, what, how did that? Starting off, obviously, I was kind of in that kind of in between stage of like, right, I need to set up a business. I know fuck all about business. Like, I was like, what do I do here? So, Business Gateway was a big thing, getting into there, going through the little courses and shit like that. Obviously, getting a bit of a grasp on how to actually run a business. But obviously, I opted out for trading my my time for experience, not money. And um, so, I went into yeah. So, like at the start, I was like, fuck it, like. I'm very fresh. If I need to do shit for free, I'm going to. Fine. Because I see the long-term vision. I see the goal of becoming an all-rounded therapist and having my business. So I got into football teams like Claybank Juniors, a few different junior football teams, working with like 20 fucking guys like every night. Like It's crazy. So this much. So much experience right there. Oh, it's mental. And the different kind of levels of initiative I had to use to to kind of figure out little problems. Say they came off at half time. There's little problems I had to try and fucking deal with. So... There's a lot of high pressure scenarios that working with a football team really gained uh, me, like with my perspective. So you done stuff. that totally for free? Well, it was like it was like fucking like forty G- quid a week or something. Ah, yeah. It was I like. Do you remember, G- remember G- Lizzie? Ah, yeah. So she, um, she was working for football teams in that, and I remember finding out it's like, hey, they're not paying you much. It's like yeah. they're almost like, oh, there's a new fresh face. Cool. Coming the team because that's, it, that's it, man. Because like, no matter what you do, you're providing value. It doesn't matter like your level of competency yeah. that that will to an extent. Literally, because like that that forty pound was just paying my train fare, and not even that. I was like getting on the train with the physio bag, like pure like fucking like <laughs> <bags> <laughs> and shit. Yeah, and, and actually, at some points, I got the train with my massage bed and shit. <laughs> Obviously, they ended up getting one, so that was fine. But like, it was just definitely just persevering for it's that. Hassle. It's, it's a hustle, hustle it's sure. literally that bro So and then then what happened, like when did you branch away from that? I branched away from that as soon as I realised my time was more valuable Than the, the money I was getting You learned the experience 100%, I got to the point where I was like Yeah, I'm taking homers now, I'm starting to fix people It's like, what can I now do to actually just branch into opening my own business So it was like, kind of 2019 I was doing all this End of 2019, setting all the kind of business infrastructure up Getting all that ready Started 2020, I was like, right, let's launch the business. I got a little space in a little salon, a little humble salon, little nice. space, fucking working around people, like, doing their nails and shit. So it was like, it was very Did much... you get your nails done? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> just my toes in it. I don't... I can't, be getting, I can't be getting judged by the things. Uh, but honestly, like, with that, it did actually really humble me a lot because I was just like, all I need is a space to have a bed and treat people. Um, obviously started that, 2020, covid the big Bang. scam came around, uh, and that fucked it all. So I was just actually seeing people that knew it was a scam in my granny's fucking house. I was like, my grand spare room, just taking people within that, um, and just making sure that I'm still keeping on top of the experience as this shit show was going on. Mm-hmm. It came to the kind of end of 2020, and I saw a vacancy open up in a, a private gym. And obviously, like, the security within that, getting a little bit of money, and not just that, you, you go into a fully functioning gym, there's clientele to just... Hit right into it. Crazy easy, man, it's it? a hack. Aye. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not having to build a business. You're you're going in there with cu- already maybe open people like ready to take like treatment from you. Do you know so, I mean? so who's got pain? Most people put their hand up. Exactly. Aye. And you're like, cool. I can fix it for sure. So <laughs> like doing that, obviously, 
and then I worked there for maybe like a couple of years. And it, as I said, it's funny how every transition in my life has came from coming to a level of development that I knew and I, I was like kind of deserving of more. So like when I was working for that gym, there was a level of experience that I really gained. I'm so grateful for that, being in that gym, the journey in Hillsborough. Really grateful for that, the people around me, the mentors, the kind of business mind that helped me grow. But I just got to the point where I was like, I'm at my capacity and what I can take from this now. I need to level up, open my own business, because it was always the plan. Obviously, I had to shut the business down. It was JRST, kind of personal brand. I understood that personalizing a brand, I feel like limits the capacity to grow. Yeah. So I was like, right, what kind of what kind of values do I have like as a sports therapist? And it is like giving people more of what they want to do in life, more life. So like that kind of like approach of just like creating the business name and then launching it at the start of 2023. It was just the start of this year. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And it's funny because like, there. obviously uh, usually a business like kind of starts from fuck all and builds. But because I was already That's working three, as a therapist yeah, yeah. for like three, four years before that, I did start pretty busy. So I started straight away with relatively good clientele and just kind of built from that. But the biggest kind of learning curve that I've experienced in business as a therapist is how many people don't prioritise their health. And oh, mate, it's insane. You strip away health, what the fuck have you got? Doesn't nothing. Matter. Yeah, it Actually nothing. Like it's everything, crazy. it's the crux that will, doesn't matter how rich you get or how successful you are, like without your health, you're... You have limitations. And you see that you see some so of these scary. millionaires, bro, right? Like you see some of these millionaires, soft fucking bellies. Like <laughs> they, they don't shout Kyle Richie, soft fucking bellies. But they don't actually like prioritize the health side of things. They just try to make money. And they will get to they'll get to a crossroads where they understand <clears throat> enjoying that money only gets so much out of life. You want to feel good. Like So do you follow Brian Johnson? You seen him? Brian Johnson. Yeah, who's trying to reverse his age. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Liver King. Uh, uh, yeah. No, 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 no Liver right. King. You said Brian Johnson, is that right. a Liver King, no? I think I think that is his name as well. Oh, that's no, no. his fucking name. Nah, so the two, that's the two of their names. So no, he started to reverse his age, and he was he. I think he sold his company for like eight hundred million. Okay. And he was like, he's he's saying no, he's like your health is more important than money. For sure. You know what I mean? He was like, I'm so happier now just living in my house, staying this, than I ever was making money. But the, the weird, the funny thing about that is, right, is you you see that from the perspective of someone that's already made all the money. So like he's he's able which to is, which is. I mean, he's, all, he's able to say that. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a balanced approach you need to take to life if you want longevity. Mm. But people just get so taken over with the money and business and they just neglect their health like we all do. Mate, it's not even money and business half the time anymore. I think it's yeah. phase. It's I just, think you go through phases. It's just phases. fucking other shit. Uh, it's just Head, com comfortability. Hedonism. Like, see that pleasure-filled fucking life that most people live. Like, I always have this concept going around in my head. Every decision I make, discipline or regret. Two choices make fucking one. Discipline is obviously the logical choice to make, but we're so taken back by that survival instinct in our brain, hardwired to avoid discomfort, yeah. seek comfort, yeah. and that is the decisions that allow us to make, suffer the pain of regret over the pain of discipline. Um, but then when that comes into a health aspect, as I said, we just take it for granted until we lose a fucking leg or some shit. Uh, do you know what I mean? Till it is too late. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, oh, Steve, the listeners, what age are you? I'm 22, 23 so, this year. So obviously everybody listening, like, you started that in 2020? Um, yeah, the, my first little personal business, yeah. First, so 19, do you know what I mean? Starting, that's young. Yeah. It's young to be starting and obviously sure. learning all this. It's like it's young to be doing what you're doing. 100%. And obviously you've came on here and you're... you're ah, you, don't, you don't come across as if you're... Yeah, you, you come across like you've got you've got the experience, you've got the wisdom in that. For sure. When you're talking about focusing on your health, have you had periods of time where... Because I know for my, myself, business is 
it's almost like I don't. There is balance, yeah. but sometimes the scales are tipped in favour of business than it is my workouts, yeah. and then the other way. What's what's your experience been with that so far? You've been pretty good, or yeah. So like, I genuinely it's weird because like I know I'm in it for the long run. Like we all know that we're going to be millionaires at some point. There's going to be the level that we reach. It's just a matter of when. So like having that in my head, I understand that a day where I could do more work and sacrifice recovery maybe isn't necessary in the in the bigger picture. So I do graft and I'm staying up to like fucking 1, 2 a.m. at night sometimes. I, I fuck up my sleep sometimes. But I definitely prioritise my health and recovery over business. And I know that, I know I do that purely based on the awareness I've gained from my job. Yeah. And also the importance of longevity. Like, yeah, as I, like I said, that. health is wealth in the sense that you can make all the money you want, but fucking, you're not looking after your health. There's going to be a limiting factor to how much you can actually live after a certain point in your life. So to be fair, working out that balance, I've always sacrificed business work for recovery until the last few months. Like I've taken on so much responsibility, right? To the point where I need to kind of sacrifice hours. Sometimes I'm not stretching every day, but I know obviously like, there's a level of injury risk to that, so I just maybe taper down what I'm doing, say, in the gym. Mm-hmm. So I just I just account for what I'm doing. In terms yeah, you're of aware. You're aware I'm so that, aware. Uh, like, I'm hyper-fucking-aware. And that's where, obviously, I'm 22, quite young to be speaking like this, but the access to information that we have these days... It's insane. If, if you're not utilising that, uh, it's completely your loss. Like, I just see, poten- I see potential in all of us um, as humans and see if we don't strive to kind of, like, achieve that full potential. It's on you, man. Like, Aye. That's what it is. So, like... I definitely feel like the balance between work and rest has really been making just sure there's a contrast there. So, like, if I'm deep in work, I'm going to be deep in rest at a certain point in that day. Aye. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm on the cigars. I'm talking to cigars. <laughs> and uh, obviously, honestly, I don't know what it is about cigars, but they're so therapeutic. And you don't inhale so? it. Yeah, honestly, bro. Do you want to smoke one in there? <laughs> no, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, He's that like, joking, joking. Yeah, I've got a few in my fucking pocket. No, I, I, I kind of I know what you mean. Yeah. So like, I used to I used, I used to vape sometimes, yep. and I don't really drink, and I, I don't I don't vape anymore because yep. it's, it's a lot of nicotine in the vapes. Mm. But at the same time, I think everybody needs that wee something. Because I was sitting in my house yesterday, right, my yep. day off, and I was the same as you. For a while, I wasn't prioritising rest, but yep. then I wasn't working as well because I wasn't prioritising rest. Yes. So I planned out my days, so I'm working hard then, but I'm also resting then. 100%. Yesterday, I'm like, I could go a smoke. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, yeah. that, that would have been nice, but I was like, I'm not what, smoking smoke a vape. weed or smoke no, 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 I don't smoke weed, I don't smoke weed. I, mean, I don't like weed. That's what I'm saying, like, weed Just, just a vape. Uh, but I was like, I'm not going to smoke a vape because I remember the last time I done it, I just chucked it away. Yeah. But it would have been nice to just sit and relax for me. And puff, yeah. Aye, because I don't drink. I don't really go out, and I'm ha- I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think there's a, like a wee balance that you game. Some people would do that. Do you know what I mean? But that I think that's the thing. Like we as humans, we're shit at sitting, doing nothing. Aye. and it's when you're doing nothing, the cravings come out of whatever it may be. Yeah, like it's that. Oh, I need to. I need to be doing something, and you don't get. It's so hard to sit and do nothing. It's crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> fucking difficult. Especially when you get ADHD. Oh, mate, so fucking hard. See, one thing as well that I've really started to pick up and take into my morning and nightly routine is meditation, right? Right. And people don't see it in the deeper kind of way that like, mo- like some people do. And the, the people that do consistently meditate, I understand they've appreciated like, the power of it. But people just see it as like hippie shit. You're sitting just fucking deep breathing or whatever. But I went to the Vortex Centre a few weeks say, ago. I was going to say, I hear your experience. I went to the Vortex Centre a few weeks ago with Kyle. We'd done a one-to-one session. We sat down, Jim McFadden, the guy is, 
absolute fucking wizard when it comes to getting your brain and your mind into that like that higher state of just understanding and appreciating how precious life is. And that's another thing as well. The people that the things that people take for granted, like their health, it comes from a lack of appreciation. Like Absolutely. see if you're grateful to have your health. Like there was a podcast I watched recently, Diary of a CEO. Didn't watch it all, but it was a girl lost her legs. Like lost her two legs. I like seen, I seen that, a fucking yeah. tampon, mate. Are you mad? Like shit like that that you're walking around your daily life and uh, it's just stripped away from you in a matter of weeks. The people that don't take it for granted, uh, the people that do take it for granted and don't appreciate it enough, though, they are just like very complacent in that sense. I feel like the more disciplined I've got with business, the more disciplined I've got with my health. Like I, I fast sixteen to eighteen hours every day. Mm. Having a little coffee this morning for the podcast, yeah, but yeah, yeah. like I usually fast. Is that what you do, eh? Sixteen to eighteen hours every day, and I've got peeled as fuck from it. Like I've got. I was gonna say, like, is this for? Yeah. Getting people does it more for the other benefits. To be fair, I was trained to. I, I was planning to fight in August. This August yeah. coming. Um, hopefully, looking to do my first fight still in December. So it was more for like cutting weight purposes. But within that, I started to see and feel the difference in how I mental actually feel. Mental clarity and all that. It's sort of fucking stuff, yeah. mental, and yeah, it's crazy. So we're we're gonna do. So I've done forty hour fast. I've done yeah. a, done a couple of them. Um, over the last, I like how you said we. Um, I didn't agree to this shit. We're, we're going to do because I'm fascinated with fasting. No pun intended there, um, and the actual health benefits to yeah. it. I think a lot of people, the average population, no average population, but a lot of people will will see fasting and do what you do and do intermittent fasting because they're trying to lose weight. Sure. But all they're doing is cutting down the calories that they're having. They're sleeping like shit. They're not training, and it's it's not a cheat code. Yeah, and that's, yeah. There's that's no that's strict like, I, No, no, no. It's, it's nothing. It's not for those reasons as much. When you go into your performance side of things, sure. where it's for fighting or it's an, an yep. athletic pursuit, yeah, okay, I can get, I can kind of get behind it from from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. So the meditation side of things, what are you doing? Singing oh, Kumbaya to yourself because, oh. um, like you said, that's where everybody's head goes. But yeah, I know, yeah. I know it's not. But for the audience listening, like, what does that look like? So for, for you in ten the minutes, I just sit and burst into fucking tears. <laughs> <laughs> Get all the emotions. Yeah, yeah. Just start fucking crying, mate. I just cry myself to sleep. Now, uh, so it's all about connecting to your breathing and just really getting into such a sense state of like mental clarity that you're not really thinking of anything outside of what you're doing there and then. So like that presence, see becoming present in the meditation, that's a really powerful thing. But what I'm physically doing, nasal breathing, all about breathing from the belly, like laterally expanding. Yep. There's actually a drill that you can do to reinforce nasal breathing and kind of like connect to doing it. It's called the sandwich drill. Ah, yeah, we, I show like, all my clients. That's how we yeah, yeah. get them to yeah, brace, basically, in, yeah, when they're dead lifting. The so that you start by connecting to where the breath comes from, and you would look to then just expand all the way up into your, your rib cage, into your chest, up into your head. And within that, inhaling, when you meditate, you want to think about inhaling being the up regulator. So whenever you're inhaling, you want to think about filling yourself with whatever you want to. So yeah. th And obviously a lot of people say, oh yeah, think of joy, think of gratitude, think of happiness. But what Jim taught us was not to think, but to feel. So think back to a place of where you felt gratitude or you felt joy, like you felt happiness. Yeah. And see, when you're breathing in, you're upregulating and you're really filling your body with the feeling of, of joy, of gratitude, of happiness. And then when you breathe out, you exhale, that's the down regulator. So ridding yourself of all that stress. Right. And he talks about these little exit points, the bottom of your feet, the back of your knees. And if you can really visualize that and really get into it, because that's what I'm saying, a lot of people cringe when they do it. It's like cringy. That's what I mean. Like, it's almost, it's, you look at it and f even you talking about it, I know people will be thinking, oh, that's all woohoo magic bullshit. 100%. But 
doing it at the Financial Freedom Summit. Yep. And I've done it a couple of times just with watching videos on my phone. Yeah, yeah, guys yeah. like, I'm going to take you through a meditation. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to try it. And I've had a really great experience with it. 100%. When you, if you, if you put your ego to the side and you're just like, right, fuck it, let me just yep. open my mind up to this. Yep. The value that you can get from it is insane. For anyone watching as well, for the first like 10 times you do it, you will be sitting there like, what the fuck am I doing? Aye. Aye. But see when you start to value it in a way that allows you to feel that you're elevating, like you're raising your levels of vibrations and mm -hmm. your, your day, like it's fucking mental. Like basically like I've all, I do cold showers every single morning, have done for like the last couple of years and see implementing meditation before the cold shower. I don't even feel the cold anymore. It's fucking mental. And Got Superman. It's, <laughs> it, honestly, you feel fucking invincible, especially after the meditation and really reinforcing that positivity as well allows you to tackle all the daily stressors in such a more open-minded way. It almost allows you to zoom out. And obviously, we could touch on this if you guys want, but I like... Go, it's, no, no, we got, I'm, up, I'm up for it. The podcast, like, like, proof mindset, mindset gives the, the power of the mind is so fascinating. Well, let's we talk about mushrooms like, then. Right, don't <laughs> let's do it. Let's talk about fucking mushrooms, because like, a lot of people are so close-minded to mushrooms. It's a drug, psychedelic, this and that. I was speaking to somebody the other day, and I was like, I don't, don't do drugs anymore. We were talking to each other. But I was like, the one drug that I would definitely do again, 100%, is mushrooms. mushrooms and I will, I will do it again. It's like, it's fact. Like, but I, I won't like, touch cocaine or anything like that again. But mushrooms are, a, it's no the same as any other drug. So we, what would you say, from your perspective, mushrooms does for you? Or what, what do you think? Do you so I've, I've never taken them before. So I, but I've, I've spoke to James about this, that it's, it's the drug, like the psychedelic experience. Anytime yep. I've heard someone speak about their experience with it, I think... For the negative ones that's out there, it's always outweighed by so many more positive ones. 100%. And it all, from what I'm gathering, it's all to do with the environment that you set up in. Yep. We had um, our good friend Jay on the podcast, and he was like really um, overweight and maybe even obese. I think he would class yep. himself as, and it was that experience that allowed him to to shift his mindset and what he wanted to do when it came to. Um, because he knew what a calorie deficit was, he knew about training, and he shares his experience with that and saying, no, like I was taking magic mushrooms and I was looking at myself in the mirror yep. and I was like, wow, like I need to, I need to get my shit together, I need to get this done. Bring so, up. Yeah, literally. So, honestly, like with mushrooms as well, what I feel like a lot of people think about is, oh, you're going to trip, you're going to see mad shit, this and that. I've taken mushrooms countless times now and see the perspective that I've gained from it and the, the level of appreciation and just when I say perspective as well a lot of people take things for face value so like when you receive like say you're fucking on the road and there's road rages someone cuts in front of you obviously your initial reaction is emotional but see taking mushrooms it allows you to like zoom out and see things from a much wider perspective in the sense that mushrooms give you so much more deeper exploration into your emotions and how you understand and maybe interpret certain things because a lot of people have an emotional bias based on their childhood, their upbringing. But what mushrooms allows you to do is come from a neutral bias. Like, you're not seeing it from your past experience. You're seeing it from what you think it actually is. Do you know what I mean? So it's weird how it's fucking... People experience ego death and all that kind of stuff. It's purely based on being able to see things for what they are and not what you've maybe been exposed to in your childhood and then created an emotional bias around that thing. Like mushrooms allow you to zoom out, explore your emotions in such a deeper level. And when that comes into business and stuff, I feel like having that zoomed out perspective of business allows you to think so much more creatively. So what, what was the last, when's the last time you had taken mushrooms? What was your experience? So I actually in? microdose. Uh, so, yeah, I've heard, heard of Conscious this. Caps on Instagram. 
Conscious Cats on Instagram, um, Functional Mushrooms, all that kind of stuff I get from them. Um, within that, obviously, the last time I actually took mushrooms, like, went on, like, took, like, I think it was, like, maybe two grams or whatever. Um, that was a couple months, a few months ago, to be fair. It wasn't, it wasn't too long ago. But I only really feel like I utilise mushrooms to help, whether that's transition or take on a new level of responsibility. Because yeah. a lot of people as well, they get overwhelmed with their life. It's hard to kind of take a step back from everything you're doing. So mushrooms allow you to just escape that kind of, that sense of responsibility and see things from more of like a subjective point of view. And um, so when I did that, obviously I'm a very intellectual, deep person, I believe. Um, so the conversations that I have are not anything but intellectual, whether that's constructive talk about different life concepts and business principles, like with my brother Kyle. Like I never really take mushrooms with anyone other than my brothers and my boys because there's a level of connection I feel like you need to to delve into that deeper side of mushrooms. Like, see if you take it at a festival. Are you talking to each other? This yeah, yeah conversating, just yeah. talking, like whether we go a walk or whatever. But I'll tell you one thing, I took mushrooms when I went to Terminal V, like Techno Festival. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly, bro. I no in public, mate. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. So <laughs> until shit went wrong, it was amazing. But until you experience like someone swedged out their trumpet, bro, <laughs> going nuts in front of you, that it's weird how energies are perceived. You feel it much more. It's fucked, man. Like it's hard to actually put mushrooms into words, really. Mm. And it's not like you're out of control, but you feel. Like, it's hard to interpret it through words. It's like you just you feel certain things, like with the energy side of things. Like you start to feel how pure certain people are. Like you, I look say at my girlfriend, for example, and you see like how pure her energy is. And then there's some people that I knew that was around me at that festival, and you kind of feel the kind of. The negativity, man, it's fucking crazy. Um, but see, being able to do that on your own life and self-reflect and see maybe where you're negative or where there's doubt in your life from a neutral perspective, that's where mushrooms are so powerful. It's yeah. fucking nice. Do, do you feel, though, there's a, there is an addictive part of mushrooms? Part of it, yeah. Because you're, ah. you're seeking the goodness in, it, in a way. Yeah. Because you say that, like, I don't know what you said there, like, along the lines of when people can get overwhelmed very easily. Yeah. And that... On one hand, builds resilience and character if you can cope with it. For sure. But on the other hand, if you're using as the, the mushrooms as a as a chance to not to escape but to deal with it better, yep. do you know, feel like they could be. Well, I've got a very addictive personality. Like so I, they are. So I'm they are. so fucking obsessive over things that I put my mind on, right? And mushrooms has never been something that I've felt like I really want to do because it's an experience. Like, see for how deep it feels. You don't want to be in that state all the time. That's what I was just about to say. When you take them, you don't want to take them again for a while. Yeah. Because you leave it feeling really good. I've, like You leave after a mushroom trip feeling... And it's intense. I feel, I feel, it's yeah, intense. it's so intense. And <laughs> you leave, you're like, I feel really good. Yeah. You wake up the next day feeling really good and it, it, it projects over the next few days. When you take other drugs, it's not like that. But you don't want to go into that again because it is, like, super... Intense. And you get what you need from it. Like, it's not something like, say, yeah, smoking he, weed. You spoke about that before. Like, you, you, you go in with the question and you go in intention. with the, uh, the intention and answers that you might be seeking and you come away with that. Hundreds. So, like, in, in the past, I've done it without that, like, 100%. Yep. But, like, see, no, ah, no, I'm just playing, I'm getting it my nut. Yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. last time I'd done them, took 2.5 grams. And just <laughs> the thing is, I piled a chocolate bar with five in it. I yeah, didn't yeah. know, I thought it was just a normal chocolate bar. You scanned it. I scanned half it and he oh, scanned half it. Fuck. And I was like, mate, I am tripping. And he's like, I know, man. He's like, I, I was like, how much was that chocolate bar? He's like, 50 quid. I'm like, 
Hvad er min første kvart? Så er det svært at gramme dem. Oh no man, I was tripping at my dick. But if you went into that with the intention to to gain perspective, then I've changed so much since the last time I done that, and I know for a fact that if you went in it now, it's like you did go in it with that intention. Hundred percent, bro. And that's the different. Like intention is all about like what you get from mushrooms, and if you go into it knowing you you want to gain perspective or reinforce different concepts that will help push you forward, because I feel like creating a business mind as well comes from being emotionally aware. Like a lot of people think, oh yeah, just set up the kind of logistics behind a business and run it. But you need to be so emotionally aware because the amount of stress that you deal with running a business, you need to be aware of why you're feeling that stress, how to identify it, how to deal with it. Mushrooms help with that, man. Yeah. You also 100%. need the stress. A lot of people's like, oh, I don't get stressed. It's like, well, stress isn't a bad thing. Like we all need to expose ourselves to stress because yep. if we don't expose ourselves to these stresses like lifting weights or like mental challenges and result we will never be resilient as human beings. There's no growth we're too in soft. That. We would generally be too soft for the sh- the shit that goes wrong in, in, in society. So you said you're fighting. Yep. Um what's your so what's your health and fitness journey like now? Like what you you've you've loved you're a big fan of the UFC I and all that it. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You always have you fought before? Never. So, so take us through that. So like, obviously I was always football based, but I think that comes down to the facilities that you have around you as a kid. As, as Scott, and Scott. You know I mean, like football or fucking rugby, mate. Or if you want to go to dancing. Aye. Uh, but that's what girls do. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? So like, that was obviously, as soon as I, I was like 16, I think. And then we, I went to a little Thai gym in uh, Claybank, Yoker for like a couple months. And then my stepdad stopped going. So I just stopped going. Um, and then it came around like maybe two years ago ish that I was like, right, fuck it, man. I want to, I want to fight. I want to do a fight. So I started doing one to ones with the coach in my local gym. Guy's an absolute legend. So much wisdom. So um, how fast I came on was really down to him. Obviously, I feel like I'm a fast learner, but having an amazing coach there really fucking helped build me so quickly. And then since the start of this year, kind of like maybe April time, I've been consistently sparring like three times a week and shit like that. Um, but actually I went on holiday to Tenerife just there and I made a little connection with a club over there. Yeah, I saw that. I'm looking to go over on a monthly basis and commit to building a clientele over there because I believe networking is the difference between huge. fucking making it and not. So fighting actually for the next month is taking a complete backseat and it's like a weird contrast because I was like, fuck it, I'm fighting. I was so deep in it and then I'm like, fighting's always going to be there. Is that the priority? Well, so exactly. you, lean in, you lean into what your priority is and business is where it is. 100%. Talk, talk through that then. So what does that look like from a business perspective? Are they, are they like, how does the cut work? How does, how do you, how do you benefit monetary wise? Or is it all about the networking side of things? Like what's working? So that's what I'm saying is like, from my perspective, as long as I break even on a monthly and I'm building these connections that can lead to networking or business opportunities in the future, I'm fine. But for the demand that's there, like Tenerife is like a, it's a quite, it's pretty like, What's on the island is on the island. Is there's not a lot like that comes to and from that. So looking around, there's only like a few kind of like maybe Spanish therapists. You like that, fucking rookies, man. Do you know what I mean? Got them. And you, and you also you go around and there's hundreds of rubbing tugs, mate. So if you're wanting a little happy ending massage, that's fine. You can go to them. <laughs> I was I was like, what rubbing tug? Or yeah, rubbing tug. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> little, little tuggy. Do you know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> James is like, I'll come with ten. Yeah, next time with you. <laughs> so it's all right. <laughs> So, like, what I'm trying to do is actually bring, like, a, a proper... Proper service. A proper service that's going to fix people. And see the amount of people that live there that are British, Scottish, English, English-speaking, that want a fucking person that can come over and give them a plan and fix them. Mm. As I said, the two-step the approach market. I have. Mm. Exactly, there's a big market for it. 
obviously just so happens BDL Tenerife, they're the biggest club on the island. Obviously, that's actually Big Nasty. Do you know Big Nasty, the rapper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's his club, so there's a lot of crazy connections. So in what What's in the club? Like, is it just dancing? Yeah, no, like, no, like, that's like not that's and all that. No, so it's like a social club. Right, right, okay. Uh, obviously, over there, weed's decriminalised, yeah, yeah. isn't it? So it's like a, a kind of cannabis club, but within that, there is like, you know, Charlie Sloth, AU yeah. Vodka. They've got a little AU base at the back. That's separate, obviously. But it's just like a kind of social club with that. Um, but within that, obviously, anyone that knows about weed that doesn't have that pure predisposed stigma around it, there's a lot of relaxation and therapeutic benefits if you moderate and use it correctly. So massage fits into that perfectly because it's relaxation, tension yeah, relief, yeah. de-stress, all that shit. So I just thought to actively network and kind of bridge the gap and, and, and put it across to them. And obviously I went over there on a lad's holiday and came back with an established connection that I'm going to be reoccurring monthly to. And the reason fighting took a back seat is because, as you said, prioritising your time, especially when you've got a business running, my time, I would say, is pretty valuable. And it's yeah. getting more, the more responsibility I take on, I feel more like the more valuable gets. your time gets. Absolutely. So that is a big responsibility, trying to bridge that gap um, between working here, working in Tenerife. Man's international now, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I'm just trying to like make sure that... Uh, Conquer the world, bro. Exactly, bro. Like, So I'm just trying to make sure that the time spent um, is more on the business at the moment. Um, so what's what's the long-term plan? What's the Have you got a, a vision? Yeah, 100%. Talk us through it. Long-term plan, obviously... The life I'm living right now is amazing. So all I'm looking to do is just build demand in the clinic, the spaces that I've got. I've got two spaces at the moment. Obviously, ultimately, I'll look to bring therapists in, build an actual brand, like clinics around Scotland. There's a few different plans with like corporate companies and packages I'm looking to deliver. Within that, if that all goes well, the funding's there, then I would look to actually build clinics that just deal with certain business get, like kind of pathways within the industry. Because that's another thing as well. Like The health industry is a growing industry. But it's still so underrated. Like, so new as well. It's I think, so new. I think the fitness industry is only something like 40 years old. Or something Fucked. like that. It's mental. You so. think about the stigma around getting a PT and how that's changed in the last like five years yeah. versus going for a massage. That was like a luxurious thing mm. that now people are taking into... They're trying to do maintenance because they understand the value. So I feel like the kind of long-term plan, obviously my twin brother being a PT, covering both aspects of health and recovery... Obviously, our own gym is going to be amazing. That's what's going to happen in that sense. But Owning a gym, did you say? Owning a gym, yeah. Ultimately, obviously, I just want to get to a financial position where I can just reciprocate the, the gratitude and pass it on to other people through helping them on their journey to, to recovery and shit like that. Because it is weird that I didn't need to have a level of satisfaction and passion towards helping people. But I genuinely like, see when I know the clients came in and they feel better after one session or a plan with me. It's so hard so to communicate that, isn't it? Crazy, so we, we we also get that through the work that we do, yeah. And it's it's crazy to communicate that to even your friends or people that that they don't quite have a passion for what they're doing necessarily just yet. And it's hard to get across them. It's like no, like it's, it's not necessarily work. As cringy as it sounds, like yeah. I truly enjoy. I know changing that. So lives. you podcast for free, and you're training people for free, and you're <laughs> making content for free, and you're like, I know, like, oh. Couldn't do that. I'm like, no, what the but fuck? You, you don't. You, I'm like, you, you, you go to your job to work with for somebody else every fucking day. Yep. It's not the same. It's so too narrow mindset. The thing is, as well, right? So when I was working for that private gym, as much as I liked the treatments I was given, I felt a level of resistance towards actually going in and doing it. I felt like I was trying to plow through this fucking work that I didn't want to do. 
But now that I've got my own shit and I'm really seeing it, I feel like I'm in such a flow state. Like, there's no resistance. Everything I'm doing, I know I'm doing it for myself and yeah. my future. So, like, I'm just flowing through what I'm doing right now and there's no resistance towards it. And that's yeah. what, like, makes it not feel like a job. And then, obviously, when you think about the money, yeah, it's good, but it's weird that there's a direct correlation or I've found that there's a direct correlation between the amount of value you provide and the money you make. So yep. now my focus is on my purpose, value, 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 value impact. the byproduct is the money. So like, and it's fucking mental. And I obviously have a few clients that are millionaires and I gain a lot of perspective and wisdom. And that's also a crazy networking opportunity in the industry that I work in because everyone needs a rub, man. Everyone <laughs> is tight as fuck. So getting access to some of these people is amazing as well. And it's definitely something I'll persist with. Even when I do have millions of pounds, I'll still be taking certain clientele that I know benefit from what I what I provide my service and obviously I, I obviously benefit from that's the connections. When you, I that's well. when you know, like you could be given you could win the lottery tomorrow, for example, and you're asked like what would you do? And it's like, well what I'm doing. Yep. And once you once you get that perspective and once you're doing that, then it has to shift away from money, it has to shift to value, it has to shift to impact and all that sort of stuff. Aye. The one thing I wanted to ask you in this podcast is all about needling and cupping, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I it's quite a hype type thing just yeah, now. Yeah. Now I seen I think you follow him as well. Oh man, what's his name? He always goes after Scott University stuff. Yeah, Doctor Adam Meekins. Aye. Yeah, so yeah. I seen him uh, giving shit for needling. Yeah, yeah. What did did you see the post? He just uh, he, I can't even remember. I will not articulate this very well at all. But pretty much from the basis that it's pointless. Okay. From from what it does. So what would you say to that? Or like, uh, first of all, what is needling? I look at it sometimes, and it, it you've done a, f- a few videos of disbarm that it's not painful and that sort of stuff. Yep. But basically, using these micro needles to relieve tension on the muscle or create space. So space. I would actually like I'd love to see that post just to kind of get an opposing view. Yeah, because I, obviously I could have my mind completely opened up. Mm-hmm. But from what I've gained with needling and dry needling and the results I've seen from it. Is there just is and it's all about manipulation, whether that's needling, deep tissue, it's all about trying to create a level of manipulation that can help break up the current state of the muscle and then allow for that that state of the muscle or the muscle to then heal in a more aligned, correct, restored state. And I feel like it's pretty logical to think that restoring the state of a muscle is gonna help improve how well it shortens and lengthens and the function of that muscle. I feel like it's pretty logical. Um, obviously so where, does, where does needling come in? Is it because you're creating a micro Yeah, so like damage? when you put the needle in and you're moving it around, it's different to acupuncture. Dry needling is genuinely all about going in and cutting up the fibres and the fascia and muscle tissue. What My that does... must have some amount of that. Yeah, man. So, but what that does is it, it starts to create damage that which will then... That damage created to the muscle fibres creates almost what is like like the kind of waste tissue because when you create enough damage that waste tissue or that tissue that's damaged like it breaks off from the kind of bulk of the muscle in a way got you. cuts off oxygen cuts off circulation we've got a lymphatic system that helps drain all the waste product from the muscles or lymphatic system so when we go in with the needle and we break that that muscle up we're creating more space in that area with the needles through creating damage and breaking up and actually damaging the muscle so that when it obviously, when it heals, there's going to be a little bit more space for the, the fibres that are there to then heal and then move yes. more. Right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And it generally just like, because the guy that taught me the course, he's a doctor, he's got a worldwide business, he goes around the world teaching this. 
So there must be a level of credibility or like help that comes from needling if that is a it's a world known like worldwide thing. Um, but for me, like I've done needling contrasted with not needling. I've only needled one side and allowed the client to go away for a few days. Tell me the difference. Yeah, so you're feel. applying it to your own. I'm applying it uh, and starting to see evidence based results that back up right. how credible cool. needling is. That's why I wanted to ask you because yeah. we read stuff online and that. But so I work with fighters, right? Aye. I've got fighters that obviously you think about punching, right? It's all about that movement of the scapula, how well you can whip shots in. And I've got I've got clients that I've contrasted not needling with needling, and the effects in movement and how well they move and how efficiently they feel they can snap shots out is crazy. Like it's a it's a night and day difference in how they feel with the manipulation through needling. So. Um, Dr. Adam Meekins seems pretty pessimistic about everything other really than exercise. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, all he, all he preaches is exercise, which I preach as well. But I feel like there's a level of manipulation some people, depending on the state of their, their muscle, yeah. need. I think uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think we like to go, this is the best, this is the best. No. Same with, look at diets, for example. You need to go vegan, you need to go paleo, you need to go carnivore, yep. when in reality, a blend of everybody's camp is probably the best approach because oh, we're so diverse as, as humans. We like, we like different things, you know what I mean? I, I love what you said there, like being opposed to the, or or hearing the opposing view, not just being so set in your ways, because yeah. that, that's... That is a true sign of a strong mindset and a growth mindset. We're all learning, that. man. Yeah, we like need I, to be. I generally am so open-minded. like, And I feel like as well, if you're not open-minded, there's there's just a level of insecurity there. Oh, absolutely. Masking your open-mindedness because when I'm so honest and I feel like honest dishonesty breeds insecurity, you can flip that, insecurity breeds dishonesty. I feel like when you're 100% honest, there's no insecurity that can be apparent. Yeah. So I'm 100% secure. There's nothing you guys could say to me to make me curl up in a fucking ball and not reply, do you know what I mean? But I feel like there's a level of insecurity that masks people's open-mindedness. And oh, for sure. That Adam Meekins, he's a, he's a G, man. He's like one ah, of the kind of stuff, yeah. credible guys in the in the space. But see, even when he's, you see him nitpick uh, Scott University, he's taking things in the context of what he wants to speak about and putting it in, like, putting his, the Scott University's context in his context. Yeah, yeah. Everything's contextual. I think the only I mean? person that can get away with that sort of style of, uh, posting is bio lane for the stuff that he puts out. Yeah. His, that's his type of style of content. Yeah, 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 but yeah. even at that, I think sometimes I'm like, we're confusing the audience here by what, what we're doing here 100%. rather than actually helping people. That's it. That's, and that's really what it fundamentally comes down to. Um, so, well, it's great having you on, man. I can't believe that's yeah. an hour and a half already. I know, in. bro. Um, I think th this certainly won't be the last time we, we link up. I think we need to get back on for mindset. We need to so much to talk, we need to talk. We need to go through the mindset because so many people have got the wrong mindset. We've scratched the surface before we can talk about honestly. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we've we've started doing like demonstration videos on YouTube. So if you haven't headed over to the YouTube channel, make sure you're on there, bulletproof mindset. Yep. Uh we'll do a couple of videos with I you on that 100%. of like like go-to exercises and stuff like that so you yeah, get a good yeah. detailed demonstration but we'll call you out in the intro all your links and that where people can find to work with you you're based in i've actually got a space just next to ibrox in glasgow right and i've also got a space down near where i live in cardross which is like kind of Dunbar, awesome, and awesome. Area. i'll leave the links below and uh, wherever you're listening to this or watching this Absolutely. so brilliant thanks for coming on man my guy